everybody. Welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work. I'm DC McNaughton, speculative and historical fiction writer. I have I have finished my first draft of my next book right now, which is now definitely a historical fiction horror. And I have taken two weeks off to read a fucking stack of books. <laughs> it is about two feet high. And I have to read them all in the next like two weeks or so so that I can be properly learned as I continue to write this historical fiction because there's a lot I don't know about the 17th century. What I'm reading is a lot of, <laughs> I'm reading a lot of things right now. Um, yesterday, uh, the day before yesterday, I just finished Sawbones. Great book. It's based on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. And now I'm stuck reading Gulliver's Travels, like the actual unabridged, not shortened full length thing. And I'm reading it so that I can study sort of words they used back or at least like kind of like the vocabulary because like, it's mm -hmm. like the only book written in that time frame that I could find that was worth reading thereabouts. And, and, and boy, if, if uh, Jonathan Swift listened to this podcast, <laughs> I think he'd probably disagree with a lot of, <laughs> a lot of what we have to say. Uh, but boy, what a wild ride. <laughs> I'm starting the skimming of it now because it's crazy long. And um, yeah, <laughs> that's about what I'm doing. <laughs> Did you guys know holla is a real word? Because I didn't. I thought it was just slang. Did you know that? I know I told you earlier, Avery. I was like, yeah. the word holla is in this book. Like holla. Like holla. H-O-L-L-A. Yeah, it's a real I have word. Seen the screen. I have seen the it photo. Is a, it is a real word and it means exactly what we say it means these days yeah. it was very weird <laughs> yeah it's very strange but it's a real word and it existed in the 1700s so there you go <laughs> talking about things to read uh we have a comment in the chat about having a huge tbr list and then some trigun twitter account blew up this is how you lose the time war and so now i gotta read that too ah that's, yes <laughs> that's been sitting on my tbr for quite a while and now i'm like okay i guess i better bump that <laughs> up some that is my favorite new Twitter, like book Twitter thing, because it's just so wholesome. And what is it, it makes there's a Trigun, uh, there was a Twitter account that was a Trigun fan account that made a post about this is how you lose the time war, the book, and was like, hey, you should read this. It's great. Um, it's pretty short. Just just read it. Just trust me. But the account is named Bigalus Dickalus Wolfwood. <laughs> so now <laughs> all of the. All of the like <laughs> reporting on this, like New York Times, Book Riot, everybody who has to report on it has to say Trigon account, Bigalus Dickalus Wolfwood. Bless <laughs> so whoever this person is. <laughs> it's great. It's fantastic. So anyways, yes. Yeah, so on to the intros. Uh, I'm Amy Avery. I write adult fantasy. And I also self-publish under the pen name Avery Ames. What I am working on is I just got past pages, which if you're not familiar is when they like lay out the book all pretty and you get like the, the, like the PDF file of like what the book looks like once it's all laid out with all the little headers and the little scene breaks and the chapter titles. And it's beautiful. I can't wait for everybody to see it because it is so pretty. But that's your last proofread. So I'm going through and doing like final, final proofread for any last typos and stuff. Um, it's very exciting. I'm also yeah. excited to be done with it. <laughs> I love <laughs> this sure. book, but I'm ready. I'm so ready. And then what I'm reading is I finally am reading Legends and Lattes, which I don't think I need to tell 
many people what that is because that kind of blew up this year. Um, but it's a very it's a D and D type book. It's very cozy. It's about an orc uh, mercenary who decides she wants to retire and open up a coffee shop. Uh, but nobody in that town knows what coffee is, and That's so amazing. she's like, "I'm I'm at the very beginning," and I told. <laughs> I told my partner it's like playing The Sims, but in D and D because the whole opening is just like her going and like buying the place, cleaning it up, and like hiring someone to fix the roof, and like meeting her neighbors, and it's just very like wholesome and like calm and peaceful, and it's just it's very nice. It's just nice, it's relaxing. So yeah, that's all our intro stuff. Today we're going to look at descriptions of characters' appearances and how to maybe avoid overdoing it or tips to do it effectively. And this is our usual reminder that writing is not all about rules, <coughs> Jonathan Swift. And when we're writing, we sometimes need to break them as well. <laughs> we're both firm believers that if the rules feel too suffocating or overwhelming, ignore them and just write. <laughs> just write. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, so we usually have a drink, and since we're talking about appearances and descriptions of appearances, I had this idea to do this drink because, especially in like the YA boom of like the 2010s, um, there was a trend of describing specifically the in the like love interest as having gold flecked eyes. It was a very common character description, so I did a gold flecked eyes drink, which I'm gonna hold up. But it's it's been sitting here, so now it just looks like a blue drink because <laughs> all the gold is in the bottom and I forgot to get something to stir it with. And it was layered and pretty, but moving it around now, it's just it just looks blue. But trust me, there are flecks of gold in it. It's got Goldschlager, which is a cinnamon schnapps that has little flecks of um, gold leaf in it. And then blue curacao, which <laughs> blue I cheated and used like... <laughs> I use like better orange liqueur and added the blue food coloring myself. <laughs> Probably for the best since blue curacao yeah. is so nice. It's supposed to be a shot. This is actually two ounces, so it's shot size, but it's in like a pretty little cordial glass because all my shot glasses, you can't see the layering that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I used, I was going to do exactly what you did. And then I was just in a mood and didn't want to use blue curacao. So I, I just did, um, it's Goldschlager and, uh, it's Werner's and it's, uh, apple pie moonshine. <laughs> it's actually really good. And I got to be careful cause it's too good. Yeah. Um, but I have a real quickie, uh, when I was downstairs and I was pouring the Goldschlager into the, into the glass and I was pouring the Goldschlager into a glass. <laughs> um, Matt, uh, took one look at me and he's like, so what's uh what's the drink based on today? You doing some gold flecked eyes drink? And I'm like, you you guessed it. <laughs> Holy shit! He knew exactly what was going on the moment I put that in the glass. He's like, it's gold flecked eyes, isn't it? <laughs> sure is. <laughs> yeah. Wow, amazing. <laughs> okay, so I guess that means we can go into the topic. Uh. That's right. <laughs> Some opening thoughts. I should have put notes on this one. I didn't. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, we need to oh, do the drink. I, I need, need to do notes. my shot. So. Yeah. Kick that shit back. Oh, You're fine. Okay. I'm going to get my. No, we don't need notes. I do have a chaser. I do have some water because this is very strong. Okay. Bottoms up. Do it. Go for it. Oh, it's sweet. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It's so sweet, though. I'm just sipping mine because I'm a pussy. Well, I did use the, the orange liqueur I used is a uh, blood orange liqueur that is amazing and it's really dry. So that helps, but it's still very sweet. That's fair. 
It's okay. And now the gold flecks are in the bottom. Oh, well. Okay. Opening thoughts. Before that hits me. Oh, man. Well, my opening thoughts on, you know, describing characters is, one, I hate it when writers don't do it. However, there's a lot of writers that don't do it, and nobody hates them. So it's definitely just a personal opinion. (laughs) And, uh, And two... I hate it when they do it too much, but there's a lot of authors that do that too and nobody hates them. So (laughs) I like my uh, character descriptions right in the middle. I think that's the the key is like, where is that line to tread? We're going to see which side of it I leaned on. You can probably take a guess when we get to the sample. Uh, (laughs) This is an older piece of mine. So it's see my, my, favorite thing uh the thing is about character description and before you know before we get to the samples or anything i i think that writing character descriptions is a really good opportunity to give your character whoever point of view it is um to give their them an opportunity to show who they are mm-hmm. because i feel like there's a lot you can tell by a character by what it is they're looking at i don't remember what book it was oh my god i wish it I wish I could remember. Um, there's this book and you open it up on the first page. You might actually know what it is. Maybe if you do tell me, they start talking about a fat person and their fat hands. They're like, they're mm-hmm. like the person had like big fat sausage hands. And like, they're talking about how fat they are. Like how they're looking at a person and describing this fat person. And like just the way that it's written gives so much insight into first of all what a jackass this uh person this this point of view is and like like w- like how self-centered they must be like you're reading it and and before the page is over even though they're really over explaining this fat person you know that they're obsessive about this you know not liking a certain type it was on like the first page i specifically remember opening it up and deciding the character was too negative for me i didn't really want to read it but the writing was amazing. I knew from the get-go that this story was going to be about somebody who was negative, who was shitty, who was... And, and something bad in the book was probably going to happen to him. I believe it was an, a reward, an award-winning book of some mm. sort. And the only reason I didn't read it was because I was in a mood. like, And I was like, I don't want to read anything negative right now. But like, you could just tell so much from that. Um and I and I loved that much the same way like someone can use like an over description of gold flecked eyes, for instance, to show a romantic interest because no one pays that much attention to the way somebody looks unless they want to fuck that thing or <laughs> whatever other romantic thing that they might do if they're not somebody who likes to fuck, you know, like you can always tell. And then like so if it's just a character looking at another character and they don't really have a hate or a romantic interest, just that base level of what's the first thing they notice. And that in its, in and of itself can, should tell you something about a person. I had a character in the last book I wrote who looked at other people, um, and constantly compared their physical attributes to his best friend. And, mm-hmm. and, and it sort of let you see how reliant, he was on his best friend and how safe he felt with his best friend. So like if he saw another red haired person and noticed their red hair first, you knew that he was thinking about his friend who's also, you know, had red hair. Uh So for me, that's the best is when somebody can show character through a description Uh of another character. 
I love that. That was going to be one of the things that I kind of touched on in a slightly different way is the using the appearance to give you something about the character. Um, and one of the ways to do that is to focus on things that about that character's appearance that they have control over. So like what they wear, if they've like dyed their hair, if they like have manicured nail, like very carefully manicured nails, stuff like that tells you a little bit of something about someone. The trap that I see a lot of times that people fall into is just being like, here's their build, their hair color, their eye color. And mm -hmm. honestly, when I'm talking to a person, and this is not everybody, some people are more observant than others, and I am not. But when I'm like just meeting somebody casually at like a business meeting, I'm not really paying a lot of attention to what color their eyes are unless they're exceptional. Like if they have like really vividly like mm -hmm. blue or green eyes, and I'm like, whoa, like you said, it's like you're not noticing them unless yeah. you're attracted to them, those like little details. Like you'll notice the hair color because that's like more blatant, but you got to really be looking into someone's eyes to like see there right. unless like i said unless it stands right. out so i think just going through like the basics doesn't tell you anything about the person going around a room being like okay that's the brunette and that's the redhead and that's the blonde and this is the tall one and this is the short one mm -hmm. well that doesn't tell me anything about them so you can give me those details but give me something else and or like you said the things you would notice like if they're exceptionally tall or if I happen to notice that someone has a nose that looks like it's been broken or something like something that's distinctive about them. Maybe they have, you know, like they've got extra piercings or tattoos or something that's more distinctive than just hair color, eye color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I so I'm sure no one has ever looked me up because I'm not worth looking up, but um, I am also an illustrator. And when I. I have these characters who I know exactly what they look like in mm -hmm. my head. I know their teeth. I know their fucking noses. I I am all about their likeness. And when I paint them, I get very, you know, I will throw away a painting just because the nose is off like a, a hair. And I just, mm -hmm. I won't like it. And when I wrote my first book, I focused a lot on like trying to get the reader to see exactly what I saw in my head. And the more I learned about reading and writing, the more I had to lay down my sword because mm -hmm. I was people want to have their own visions in their head of what a person looks like. You want to give them just enough to like, you know, have one thing that they're like, yes, this is, this person's got the prettiest eyes. This person is really, really tall. Um, and, and then sort of like cling to that, but let them play around themselves because something I love doing mm -hmm. when I read books is to put my you know someone's face on the character like that i can relate to and sometimes when i find out that their vision is different than mine i get kind of mad <laughs> and it sucks mm -hmm. so like um but anyway i had to learn to step back and really look at my characters and be like what is the most important thing here and how do i mm -hmm. show it through description without simply going through a description mm -hmm. um like for instance i have a character who's really tall named artanian Every time he walks, I never say on the book page, okay, he's really tall. Unless somebody is looking at him thinking, holy shit, this guy is tall. Or he's mm -hmm. like, most of the time I do, he's walking into a room. He's ducking. Like mm -hmm. he, he actually tries to not hit his head on stuff. Like it, it's showing description through things other than the, and then the eye as well. Just like, you know, what, mm -hmm. what is happening to this character that makes you think that they look a certain way. Um, so you can do that too. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm rattling. That's okay. I have one more small point I wanted to go over before we get into the sample, um, which is that one thing that is there is a website called Writing the Other. 
And it talks about things like describing people who are not of the same race as you, not the same skin color, and things to avoid, uh, specifically food descriptions, um, because it can be fetishizing. Uh, But also the fact that don't default to white. So like, don't only describe character skin color if it's not white. Like, describe them equally, no matter what, because that's one thing that used to be in a lot of books was that it would be like, well, we'd only describe the character if they, like, weren't white. And if they didn't describe the skin tone, then that meant they were white. And that's very othering. So, yeah, just something to keep in mind. And I will make sure when I post this episode to put in the show notes a link to that page and that resource. I believe there are also classes that they have and stuff like that, as well as the online resource. Yeah, you got to be really careful with that, especially like, I don't know, I don't even like sometimes it's important, but sometimes it's not like, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys don't have to, you guys don't even have to tell the audience what color your character skin is. It's mostly about being mindful of reinforcing any sort of stereotypes with those descriptions. So yeah, yeah, definitely do your research, please. And if you, (laughs) please. If you are writing something yeah. that is outside your personal experience, that you, you you should probably have somebody else who is of that experience look it over. And hey, you know, I went to a workshop with somebody who 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 did color their characters a lot in ways that he probably shouldn't have, and he just he didn't want to admit that he had done it because he couldn't believe that he had done something so wrong. I will say the same thing to you guys that I did to him, where I you know I took him to the side and said it's okay to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, like just admit that you did it and and try to work on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like do your research. It's okay to be wrong, guys. It mm-hmm. is like that. This is how we learn. This is how we grow as a society. Admit that you're wrong and do the research and it's mm-hmm. okay. I used to do it. I used to, I didn't realize I was only yep. describing people that didn't look like me. <clears throat> and yeah, same. I realized it and was like, oh no. So. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> what have I become? <laughs> we all learn. We all grow. We all it get happens. better. Yeah. So. Okay, so for the sample, DC is going into this completely unprepared for whatever we're going to witness here. Uh, (laughs) But this is an example of what you were talking about. Like I had in my head a very specific description and I wanted the reader Mm -hmm. to to visualize this exactly as I had it pictured. So this is going to be an example of overdoing it. And I don't know if we want to try to either rewrite it, fix it, or just go through it and kind of point out why it feels like a bit much how about i read it and i give you my first impression and we just kind of uh, play it by ear okay yeah all right this is a description from an earlier draft of cambiari which was my self-published fairy romance series all right here i go this is a description of elian and it's long but the point part of the point is that it's long (laughs) that's part of what we're teaching you here we go A man stood within the clearing, and it was obvious he was not human. He was tall, long-limbed, and elegant lines that reminded her of fine-boned racehorses. As he stepped within the ring of toadstools, his face was illuminated by the dim starlight. It was even more alien, and yet captivating, like a gemstone that was too perfectly cut to seem real, sharp-edged and glittering. He could have been a sculpture carved of cool gray stone, all sharpness and edges. His eyes were larger than a human's, framed by dark, Long dark lashes and burning with their own light, colors swirling within them like molten opals. Two dark eyebrows swept over those eyes like a hawk's outspread wings. I can see where this is going. Yeah. 
<laughs> Most unusually, his skin was the colorless hue of ashes. In the starlight, his long hair seemed deepest midnight. His yeah, his long hair seemed deepest midnight blue, a single shade away from pure inky black. Wow! Oh, we're not done Damn. yet. Oh, it fell past his shoulders in artless waves, wild and curling. The gleaming silken fabric of his shirt shimmered faintly in the starlight, with flowing sleeves that billowed then gathered tightly about his wrists. His tall boots were strangest of all, the dark leather barely visible beneath a network of filigreed silver metal. Is it Sorel? Sorel. I can never remember. Sorel was unable to see how the metal bent and moved as he walked, but it made a soft tinkling noise like bells as the pieces brushed one another. There is well, a I, I definitely see what you wanted me to think he looked like. <laughs> We're going into so much of every single detail that honestly, at a point, the reader's eyes just glaze over. They just mm-hmm. stop reading it. And, you know, it's, you know, first impressions. It's I've seen a lot of people do this. Mm-hmm. I get why you do it. Like, you know, you want us to know. You want us to be embedded in him. You want us to know that this man is not like particularly of this space. Like he's very different. He's very beautiful. Um, But there are definitely things that you can do overall that would make this um, just so much better. Because the thing is about elegance, beauty, sculptures even – um, see, like you, for instance, you say he could have been a sculpture carved of cool gray stone, all sharpness and edges. But when I think of a sculpture, I think of very smooth and stuff. Mm-hmm. So things like, like, I really like the word sculpture because that can tell the reader, you can imagine this the way you want to imagine your sculpture. So long as he's beautiful and so long as he's art, like he looks like art, mm-hmm. so long as he's elegant to you then he's elegant to me. Like, mm-hmm. and then your reader can basically build up their version of him with your help. But then there's some areas like, especially that fucking bit about the hair yeah. with a single shade away from preview black, which is like, you're commanding me to see what you see. And that's, you know, that's the Pantone 296C. Which, by the way, if you look up, is a dark navy blue that's almost black. Just so you know. Like, graphic designer. But yes. To be fair, if I was a, an artist who was commissioned to draw this character, I would love this description because I'm like, shit, I don't have to guess at all. <laughs> you know? like. But yeah, uh, I definitely don't know that editing this is good, but mm-hmm. I, I think that talking about it. That's kind of what like I was Like paragraph thinking. by paragraph might be helpful to our listeners. Yeah, and just kind of breaking down where it might be. And I will say too much because I do think in this case it is pretty much universally too much. That is also going to vary some depending on your genre. This is a romance series and this is our first look at the primary love interest. So you are going to want to like, like we said, you're, you're going to look at him like, ooh, I, I want to bone this guy. So you, uh-huh. you do want there to be a focus. Um, you don't want to just skate over it and be like, oh, he was a tall fairy dude. Uh- <laughs> right. Yeah, I see. And I know that Conbiare has a very romantic element mm-hmm. to it. So like, for instance, if we wanted to immediately tie into the tension here, instead of like just listing all these things that mm-hmm. he is, 
let us know what her emotional reaction is yes. because even though there's four paragraphs here there's no emotion in it whatsoever mm-hmm. like is she jealous of how beautiful his skin is like that would tell us a lot about her character right off the bat mm-hmm. this is you know this is a girl who's very into you know she's she likes looks she's vain like and some of this kind of shows that he's very vain but we're not getting like is she seeing this because she's vain herself and i think that more emotion mm-hmm. could have really helped well and like for example i guess we'll, we'll go paragraph by paragraph I'll, I'll i have a note when we get to the end when we're talking about the clothing yeah like you want to bring because this is from the it's a third person limited perspective but we are this is the main character watching him when he arrives because she's done a spell to summon a fairy and Elian shows up this is her perspective, but yeah, like you said, we're not getting any of her until the very end, and it's just a really minor bit of filtering. Um, she was unable to see how the metal bent and moved. It's there's no her there, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. you're right. If she was like almost had some sort of mental commentary on it, that would help because yeah, we we want we want more of her here than just like a list of things because right now it's just a list of things, a list of things with metaphors on metaphors <laughs> on similes on metaphor <laughs> yes so first paragraph like he he appears and and immediately it was obvious he was not human he was tall long-limbed and elegant lines um he stepped within the ring of toadstools his face was illuminated by dim starlight it was even more alien and yet captivating like a gemstone to me my editing brain wants to go in there and just say you know, right after the summoning happens, right after she summons this fairy, he stepped within the ring of toadstools and immediately I was struck. But with fear or jealousy, I could not tell you, you know, like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I it struck me and it and it scared me, but I didn't fully understand it because this man was so beautiful to mm-hmm. me. And that right off the bat says to your reader, think about beauty and then, you know, any, you know, any agent or editor will tell you, OK, but why was he beautiful? They're not asking you to go through and do this. What they're asking you is what beauty means to that character. Yeah. So what about it? And to me, it seems like her, his skin, like what about him is really, really hitting your character. And and for this one, it would be the fact that his skin looks like stone and it's beautiful like it looks like a statue that's that's incredible and i focus on that and you only need like a paragraph to do Mm -hmm. that right you don't need all the other stuff yeah and i also think like honestly if we just aside from all that which is all good stuff please don't ignore it but if we just went through this and cut out places where i described the same thing twice (laughs) even if it's like slightly differently Oh, yeah. Um, we would cut this in half immediately because there's like the part about like his eyes were larger, burned with their own light, color swirling within them like molten opals. Well, we don't need to say they're burning with their light and the color swirl within them like molten opals. Uh, same thing with like oh, dark yeah. eyebrows swept Most- over those eyes like a hawk's outspread wings. Just tell me they're dark and the, or they're sweeping yeah. that we don't need both. There's a lot of times where and this is something we've touched on in previous podcasts about repeating yourself. Where you like say the thing, but then you want to make really sure the reader understands the thing the way you wanted to say it. So you say it again. 
Oh yeah. Differently. Oh yeah, absolutely. There, there is definitely a lot of, you know, like technical error here that, you know, we could, mm-hmm. we could have probably edited this for like so many oh, of our podcast episodes, you know, and, and I see another repeat here. The most, un- oh, say, so this isn't necessarily a repeat, but a, a spot where you could have taken advantage of the fact that the description was there. Mm-hmm. It says he could have been a uh, sculpture carved of cool gray stone, all sharpness and edges. And then the next paragraph starts most unusually, his skin was the colorless hue of ashes. You could have mixed in like, uh, like he could have been a sculpture of a stone, this color, yeah. like, and then, and then the reader would immediately know, okay, he's got like this crazy, like bluish gray skin. Yeah. We're almost going through like a checklist of like every yeah. part of the like features that we want them to notice. We want them to notice he's mm-hmm. tall. We want them to notice that he's got like gray skin and blue hair. And we want them to notice that he's got like weird sparkly eyes. And then we want them to notice <laughs> that, you know, like just every little detail about this. And then like each one is repeated twice. And like yeah. you said, it, it almost, okay. Side tangent, but I'm going to come back around here. Uh <laughs> One of the things that you have to kind of, like you said, let go of almost as a writer is complete control because reading a book or your readers reading your work is a collaborative experience. It will always be. There's nothing you can do to stop that Um, because everybody's bringing their own lens in. They're bringing their own biases. They're bringing their own preconceptions into your book. They're bringing their own experiences, their favorite tropes, their least favorite tropes, everything. And so your book is never going to read exactly the way you pictured it in your head to anyone ever, ever, ever. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. doing that on a per, on a appearance level, you kind of have to, like you said, lay down your sword a little bit and know that you've got to give them the, the bullet points and they're going to fill in some blanks and you got to be okay with letting your readers fill in some blanks. But yeah, and also you don't have to do the whole description all at once. That's like, true. for instance, like this guy just walked into the clearing <laughs> and she's already noticing like how many opals are swimming in his eyes. Like when, you know, like I feel like that could be really well done in like their first close conversation together. Mm-hmm. Like she's sitting there and she's trying to listen to him talk and she can't stop noticing that his eyes are like like they're crazy amounts of colors like and she's just like mm-hmm. getting it like she's processing that sort of thing can help later on in the book sort of m- make dialogue more fun to the reader mm-hmm. not everything has to be covered right away you want you want the first glance and i mean sh- shit i'd be pissing my pants if i was in the <laughs> woods and this handsome man just walked out of the woods i wouldn't be thinking of all these little details i'd be thinking holy shit that's a hot guy he's coming right for me oh my god what's gonna happen to me this is probably a fairy we, like and <laughs> that would be pretty much it, we right? have joked that if fairy <laughs> bargains were true i would be a goner in like three seconds <laughs> bye. Like, bye um but no another thing i did kind of want to mention here because you did kind of mention sprinkling it later and one thing that that does is it that right now we have stopped the pacing of the book like yeah. she goes out to the forest. It's like the dead of night. She like does this spell to summon the fairy. It's like very tense. And then mm-hmm. the fairy shows up and then we spend like a page. To be honest, this is actually not the first draft. The first draft I had a beta reader like come to me and be like, you do realize there are two pages about what he looks like. <laughs> this is the condensed <laughs> version on draft two. Um, 
but it's it it just shuts the story down because nothing is yeah. happening and you can have a little bit of that at this point because there is like her stopping and taking stock and going like you said like oh wow there's this like fairy and oh my god he's kind of hot and i don't know what's going on <laughs> um but stopping and doing that for what is this four paragraphs there's no no action happening in the story in a part of the story where that should be happening i'm not saying every part of the story has to be fast paced but this part should be because it is like a tense moment and for us to just stop and go through this whole list is like slogging down the pacing in a part that should have pretty brisk pacing no agreed and then here's the funny part here's the punchline <laughs> to all this usually like you know if you're a budding writer and you haven't really been doing this so much and you're you're really good at writing words and and you just you just take off just like this you were never a bad writer you just didn't know how you know you didn't know how to uh balance your work at this time um what you did and i specific, i remember this from a lot of people's books even published books they would um like for instance let's just go back to the eyes swirling like mm-hmm. molten opals they would do that several more times through the book mm-hmm. and remind me again and again that those eyes were crazy like they're mm-hmm. i keep saying crazy <laughs> you know they, they're they're magnificently colored mm-hmm. um and I think it happens in Twilight. She talks about his gold eyes a lot. You have said it so many times that it loses its interest. Mm -hmm. But like, let's say you don't do it here and then you do it maybe two times, three times because I know his eyes change colors. Mm -hmm. Like, and like when they're in conversation later on, I'll be more interested in that because you haven't already exhausted me with Mm -hmm. the description of his eyes. And it will feel more like it'll just feel closer more intimate that i'm hearing about his eyes then than it does now Mm -hmm. i will say one of the reasons i do point them out now and something to consider um when you're writing is in this case it actually you don't know that here which is the problem but Mm. the reason that i did point it out here is the like kind of weird swirly rainbowy eyes is like a thing he does it's like a glamour it's like a fairy glamour that he specifically Mm -hmm. does because he knows it like messes with humans heads so like he does it to appear impressive because he knows it looks inhuman it's like a glamour he casts over his eyes when he meets people so it's actually kind of interesting to mention it here if I had to narrow down what I've mentioned, but I wouldn't go on about them as long as I did. And like you said, I would, I don't know. But this is her first glance. This That's is first true. glance. I mean, I know they have dialogue That's after true. this. You can put the molten opals in yeah, there. Move it a, like move when it they're like closer. You know, this, yeah, because this right now, this is your first glance. Mm-hmm. Like this man is coming at me. Um, And try to keep that in mind. Yeah. I'm not saying and, you're wrong because sometimes the eyes are important. And here's the deal. But, Once again, we're at the, we're in the, we're in the night. There's like dim starlight. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to see unless they're like yeah. fluorescent. Yeah. It's going to be hard to see the eyes until she gets up close and starts talking. So that would be a time to mention it. Um, yeah. Like you said, a little bit later. Like, for instance, I have a character who is covered head to foot in tattoos. Mm-hmm. And when someone sees him for the first time, they're thinking, first of all, uh, those of you who can't see me, I'm covered in tattoos. So what I'm about to say here is not against <laughs> tattoos. But the character who sees them immediately is like, this is dangerous. He's covered in tattoos. Oh, my God, he's going to kill me. Like, that is her first look at them. But then later on, even like a page later, she's sitting in his living room and she's looking at his tattoos and realizing like what they're pictures of. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't go into the whole thing. I just sort of 
I glance at it and then I glance away and then kind of revisit it later when he's in the middle of talking mm -hmm. and it becomes sort of just a, it, it's kind of puts us into the setting. It, it helps well, like, rather than having it all right mm -hmm. there. And like you said, that tells you something about the narrator as well. Cause it tells you something about yeah. her preconceptions, her biases, yeah. And then yep. like that gives her a place to grow a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. One other thing I wanted to mention before I forget um, is at the end, she kind of goes into his clothing and in a lot of places, I, I don't think it's done well here. I think it can be done better. But part of the reason that's mentioned is that this character is kind of a fashionista. She does notice clothes. She does pay a lot of attention to clothing. She always mm -hmm. wants to appear. She always takes a lot of care with her own appearance. And so her noticing things like, the shirt and the fabric and stuff and everything does make sense for her character, but we're not getting that here the way it's done. She's yeah. not like, oh, well, his fabric is really the fabric of that shirt is really nice. That's mm -hmm. nicer than the fabric of my most of my dresses. You know, something that mm -hmm. kind of ties it into her and how she's feeling about that um, is yeah. what we need here instead of just listing yeah. the clothing. It would you, you would be amazed, you know, like I think there's a lot of authors that do go into descriptions very much. Uh, George R. R. Martin, for instance, mm -hmm. he describes everything. He's renowned for it. But I will tell you that when he does it, he includes those emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really cool. Um, just real quick while I'm thinking about mm -hmm. it. Uh, like, so I, I was just talking to Matt about this like a couple months ago. If you read any Game of Thrones book, those descriptions are in very specific character chapters. Um, mm -hmm. There is a character who thinks a lot about food. There's a character who thinks a lot about fashion. And it's really interesting to see that one character will look at another character and see history. They'll they'll see the houses. They'll see, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, the dragons were this and this and that. And they'll get really crazy about it. And then another character will see it and be like, ah, bullshit. Like, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it's really crazy how well he does it. Because you're getting the same description of a character through mm -hmm. multiple perspectives, but they're completely different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool. So I would challenge anyone to consider that. Yeah. Lots more emotion than this specifically, even if it was this long, even if it had to be this long. If you involved the character's emotions, I can guarantee that in a second it would be that much more intriguing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially if you're writing a first person or a limited third person, like a really close third point of view, considering the lens that your character is bringing to it is going to just add more life to the whole thing. And like you said, mm -hmm. it can be really interesting if it's like two people describing the same person in different chapters. And mm -hmm. like one person is like, especially if they like have different judgment calls, like, for example, maybe one person is is a peer and they're like, oh, this person's really, you know, good at this and I respect them for this. And their 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 analysis of what they look like is very complimentary. And then there's somebody who's like a rival and they're like, oh, look, she did that again. You know, <laughs> she's wearing that color yeah. again and it looks so bad on her or something like that. It can give you like extra little details about their experience while or about their opinions while also giving you that like stuff from it's that thing where you want your writing to be doing more than one thing at any given point in time and all of this description here is only doing one thing and it's doing a lot of it over and over and over yeah yeah so yeah if you are one of those people who's like no no i need a lot of description i think robin hop does it mm -hmm. you know not to this extent but she does do it but there's emotion involved yeah involve emotion and oh, okay maybe we can talk like yeah maybe we can do this 
because you know there are books that I pick up because I'm like you know I just want to read a meaty description Mm -hmm. right now and I'll just open it up and I'll feel better Mm -hmm. you know like that just reminded me I'm looking like immediately to my side here there's a bookshelf people can't see that's got all my Jacqueline Carey books in it and Jacqueline Carey the Cushy I'll Start series gets real purple with descriptions but it gives you a very good reason and it is that the main character is in a society that really like almost worships aesthetic beauty and appreciations of beauty and like everything that's like that so it's all like you said through the main character's lens of appreciating that and there's her emotions in it and how she's feeling about the thing when she sees it um so yeah i think that can kind of buy you a lot from the reader if you tie in the the main character and their experiences or the narrator i i don't have a lot of experience doing this from like an omniscient point of view or a very distant third so i'm not probably the best expert <laughs> i tell you what um i've read some omniscient books and there's typically like if there is character description of any length it is usually political it is usually mm-hmm. to help the reader understand the history. I'm thinking of Dune, mm-hmm. like those scenes where, you know, there's a there's a table full of characters and the omniscience is bouncing from one person mm-hmm. to the other. And basically it's just trying to give you a taste of the world building from that character. There's a lot of different mm-hmm. cultures in uh, Dune, for instance. Yeah. And like instead of getting the one opinion fits all like saying someone is gorgeous you aren't you're not going to see that in dune you're going to see he was dressed like um dressed in his leathers that he walks out in the desert with like you're going to see uh-huh. things that help you understand the setting more than that help you to understand like any character's perspective because you're not in a character's perspective uh-huh. you're you're just watching which is why a lot of people don't really like omniscient <laughs> books. There's nothing there to sort of tie yourself to um, because it's not personal enough. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a different yeah. type of book. Definitely. Yeah. And that wasn't saying anything about omniscient books, no. by the way. It's just, it's a different I've audience. Read a few. Yeah. It's just, there's a lot of people that just prefer not to read them. And it's not because they're bad because there's a lot of really interesting omniscient books out there. It's just, this is the difference. Mm-hmm. And if you have a character with a perspective happening, put it on the page. Mm-hmm. If not, okay, then, you know, that's a different podcast. <laughs> okay, I have one last note because I know we're getting kind of close to time. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to type them in the chat. Uh, but I have a very small note that I wanted to bring in and that has not come up before now. And that is to avoid certain cliches, one of them being the gold flecked eyes. And I apologize to our friend, that we know who is who who writes this if you're listening i love you i love you very much but please do not describe your eyes as orbs <laughs> that was another ya thing from like the mid 2010s and a lot of writers like picked it up i think because i've read it multiple times and it's just like they're blue orbs and i'm like it's real weird it's real weird <laughs> i don't know why i just call them eyes they're eyes please don't <laughs> I am not. I am. I am not innocent. I don't think I ever called them orbs, but like I would try to find ways to avoid using the word eyes like multiple uh-huh. times. And then like as I grew as a writer, I'm like, why the fuck am I even using the word uh-huh. eyes to begin with? And what am I focusing on so hard that I need to use it more than once per like? <laughs> that is my bit of advice. There is if you are looking too hard for synonyms, I had to think for the word for a second. I'm really feeling that. Uh, yeah. That, that shot now. Spicy. Um. 
<laughs> um, if you're looking too hard for synonyms, question why you have to say the thing again, period. Yep. Like, if you're somebody posted in chat, peepers. Peepers. <laughs> Jeepers creepers. Um, but yeah, peepers. if you're like looking globular squishies. <laughs> <laughs> globular squishies uh you know i would almost give you a pass for globular squishies, especially if you're writing like a sci-fi like something that's very like hitchhiker's guide-esque that could be really funny um but yeah if you're trying to find like multiple reasons like what's another word for hands because i keep saying hands well maybe the problem isn't that you need another word the problem is that you're saying hands a lot and maybe you could combine some of those <laughs> And sometimes you do. Sometimes you really do need like a synonym for hair twice within the same page. That's going to happen occasionally. But like, I, just, I don't know. I, just, I have a personal, I, I have a personal vendetta against orbs. I'm sorry. I, 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 just, just, I can't. I'm still fucking losing it about peepers because I just peepers. had this fucking image. I um I live on like a a, a demi homestead here, and like we call peepers like baby chickens so i just imagine baby chickens coming baby out of chickens. a person's face your her eyes were full of peepers peepers okay okay yeah that was my that was my tiny rant but if, yeah does anybody have any questions uh it yeah. doesn't look like anybody has questions they've just no. got a lot of ideas for what to call eyes <laughs> Give us your best other synonyms for eyes. Hey, you know, um, speaking of which, I'm going to uh, unsolicitedly, you did not ask me to say this, nor might you be happy I'm going to say this uh, on a recording. <laughs> but since some people don't actually read our Twitter feed or like kind of know what's coming up and some people actually just listen to this, I'm starting to wonder if we're going to do an episode sometime soon where we let people send us their work and talk about their work are we ever going to do that i've thought about it i'm i'm nervous because i can oh laugh you don't want to hurt me. people yeah i can laugh at me i don't know if i can laugh at other people that's fair but it depends if you if you do want us to like critique your stuff feel free to send it Someone says, I have work and a thick skin. Well, we have an email address. Just say send it to anditsritings at gmail.com and we will take a look at it. Uh, and we could just do what we did when we did one of mine that was old and we just kind of went through whatever we noticed about it. Yeah. And I would be I would be nicer to you than I would be to me. Well, yeah. See, well, I've seen I've seen podcasts do this before. And I'm thinking, you guys, like if you have stuff that you want us to like have fun with that you're no longer attached to because mm -hmm. you wrote it so long ago that you don't care anymore and you just want to see us have fun with it. Like that's like kind of what I'm thinking, because like yeah. I, I I would be worried about like, you know, editing someone's current baby. Um, yeah. I, th I think that every once in a while there's a different writing podcast writing excuses does that you can send it to Brandon Sanderson and I'll let him tell you what to do but like if you guys want to have like fun maybe we could start collecting a uh, a bin full of uh, I wrote this a long time ago and just have fun with it uh, yeah. you, you guys kind of know what we do here on our podcast and like maybe if we get enough of them maybe someday we can have some fun without being like too serious or hard on anybody <laughs> yeah yeah like i said i will be nicer to you guys than i would be to us but yeah we can kind of go through it and just kind of point out whatever i we would we would revise about it if we were revising our own work i feel like we we're not too mean to ourselves in this podcast we have fun here we have, we we have fun we have fun but yeah 
Maybe, maybe. Play us person, person in chat, send us things. Yeah. If you're out there and you feel like having us uh, drink and look at your a paragraph, you know, maybe we can, if we get enough, we can have fun with that someday without being necessarily yeah. critiquing, you know. Yeah. Just uh, whatever. I, I, I wanted to mention that while we were on air. Mm -hmm. And if we decide that we're too we're too sensitive to to give you guys feedback. We'll just decide to not do it. But if we do, then we have it. We try to be yeah. nice, and we're me and Avery are really kind of socially awkward sometimes. So like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's okay. all I've got. If there's no questions, peepers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that all that right, shot's well, definitely hitting me. I need to go eat dinner. Uh, our next live stream is June 9th about hooking readers in your opening lines and pages. And you can find everything about the podcast at anditswriting.com. You can also look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcatchers, anywhere you listen, we should be there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at anditswriting for episode updates and notifications. And we'd also love it if you left us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you did listen to this because it does really help others find us. And we want other people to find us and listen to our like inane ramblings. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was nice to see all of you in chat and we will see you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you.